Hey, what is up? Welcome to this episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Lofermento. And in today's episode, we are talking about the biggest asset that any and all of us have in our businesses and in our lives. And that is people. We are really talking about how to manage and facilitate the growth of the people with inside of our businesses. And of course, all this stuff transcends business and touches all elements of our lives, as well as our own professional growth. We are talking to a guest who is incredible at all of this stuff. Her name is Kelly Gust. Kelly Gust is the founder and CEO of HR Full Circle, a talent optimization and HR consulting firm providing expertise to organizations of all sizes and stages. Kelly helps businesses hire, inspire, and engage teams to perform. She builds platforms for change, opens doors to help people reach their potential, and clears the fog that lies between strategy and execution. Kelly has held leadership roles in employee selection leadership assessment, organization development, learning and change management in organizations from 10 to 100,000 employees. If it happens within the world of business and people management, Kelly has been there. She's done that. And she's so incredible about sharing her energy and her expertise with all of us. So I'm not going to say anything else. Let's dive straight into my interview today with Kelly Gust. Kelly, I'm so excited that you're here today. Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. Heck yeah. I know that that bio was only a little bit about what the heck you do and how the heck you got here. Fill in those gaps for listeners. Tell them who is Kelly. Yeah, after listening to that, right, it's all, all the corporate buzzwords uh, in that bio for sure. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from the Midwest. Um, I actually got into HR because this is going to sound strange, but my parents owned a bar uh, in a kind of small rural area. And I would hear people come in there when I was growing up in my teenage years and hear people complain about their jobs and kind of gripe about what had happened that day at work. And that really kind of got me thinking, you know, what what is it about the world of work um, that makes people maybe want to hit the bar when they clock out. So that's really kind of where my interest started. Uh, went out and got a degree in psychology uh, that led to an advanced degree in IO psych, or industrial organizational or business psychology. Uh, and then that's led to just a lot of great career opportunities. So after uh, working for a lot of really cool companies, uh, decided I could help more businesses and owners uh, if I went into business for myself. So I've been at it for about four years um, and uh, really loving it. I'm, love the variety of organizations that I get to work with. And uh, it affords us a lot of uh, just in the entrepreneurial spirit, a lot of time to kind of manage our life the way we want and raise our kids the way we want. It's been a lot of fun. So yeah, Kelly, I love that overview. I'm not gonna lie. When you said that your parents owned a bar, I thought the way that that was gonna play in is you were gonna say they trusted young me to be their HR department. But you're right. You actually saw the work in class. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you also weave in the background in psychology because obviously all of these elements play into managing people. I always like the phrase. We've heard it so many times from guests on the show where they say when you have people involved, you have people problems. And so you have to learn how to manage those people. Kelly, I want to ask you this though, because every time we bring guests on, I always ask them like, what's the one piece of advice that they would give other entrepreneurs? And a consistent piece of advice I've always heard is I wish I hired sooner. I wish I got other people to compliment my skills on sooner. But the reality is no one teaches us how to hire. Kelly, where do we even begin when we understand the art of hiring? 
Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, one book that was actually really influential to me um, in my entrepreneurial journey, again, this might kind of sound out of context, but um, it was The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Um, I'm, I'm going to struggle on the author's name on the spot here, but it's the Keller Williams, uh, a real estate guy, and uh, wrote this book. And they talk a lot about, you know, what is what is the best use of your time as a business owner? Are you burning your several hundred dollar an hour possibly or more um, valuable time doing tasks that maybe you could easily pay someone I was going to say $10 an hour, but that's hard to find. $10, $20, $25 an hour, um, where you could be investing your time in more strategic elements of the business, things that only you can do, only you can provide. So don't waste your, your you know, the secret to your success doing small dollar little tasks. Um, so think about that. What do you like to do? What are you good at? What's the best use of your time? And then you have to look at your budget, right? Can you afford, right? Are you bringing enough money to sustain that talent? There's nothing worse than bringing someone in and then having to let them go or lay them off later when the revenue isn't there to support it. So those are two places I start um, just at a basic, basic level. Um, and beyond that, then I really think you need to spend some time on what is this person going to do? What do they need to love doing? Believe it or not, there are people who love the organization and the precision that comes with filing and attention to detail of reading and proofreading a document. There are people who love that. Um, there are people who love winging it on a microphone and, you know, sales and uh, quickly connecting with people, that sort of thing, who are into that, that element of work. So find what the job really is. What does this person need to do and what do they need to love doing? Um, and help, that helps you kind of put together uh, in the IO psych world, your knowledge, skills and abilities um, required for the job that you can assess and evaluate and hire for. Yeah, Kelly, I love that you started there because I almost feel like who knows where we're going to end up today. There's so many aspects of your brilliance. Yeah, that, and that's why I love the fact that your company is called HR Full Circle because I'm like, we'll probably go full circle today and, and we have no idea how we'll get there. Yeah, so let's talk about that because I feel like, let me think back to as I was a college student, for example, because two things were happening while I was in college. One, started my first business and I had 20 people working for me at the peak of that business. But two... I was also a college kid that was hoping to get, you know, a prestigious job upon graduation. And what I realized was everyone loves helping us when it comes to how to interview for jobs. But nobody tells us even one word about how to interview prospective people for the companies that we start. Kelly, I felt so lost in that regard. And obviously, I've gotten better at it, you know, over the 15 years of my entrepreneurial career. But What's your approach on that? You talked about figuring out what is it that they're going to be working on? How do we gauge their level of talent? For me, I, I like to gauge people's level of excitement and engagement with what they'll be doing. What is your approach to all of that? Yeah, sure. No, good question. If I had to sum that up in one word, you said no one offers one word of advice. My one word of advice for managers would be plan. Don't just walk into an interview and wing it. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to trust my gut. I'll know it when I see it. Mm, no, it's very easy to get fooled in an interview. So, for example, if I knew that someone uh, really needed to be able to um, solve complex problems, I don't want to trick them into trying to, you know, explain their skill in that area. I'm going to ask them, tell me about a time when you solved a complex problem or here's a problem 
that you might have to solve while you're working for me. Let me give you a scenario. What might you do in that situation? So I want to get I want to get as close to like for like as I can um, in trying to evaluate that candidate's skills and abilities. Um, you know, if they have to do proofreading or filing, I'm going to talk to them about that. I might even show them an example, have them walk me through. Um, so that's a big piece of it. Um, and then my background, I have worked a lot in employee selection and assessment, the testing part of that, and I've built. Uh, pre-employment selection systems and tests and assessments. I know that's a scary word if you're on the applicant side of that, you gotta take a test. Um, but I've built those tools, I've worked to validate them statistically, making sure that they measure what they're supposed to measure in a fair and reliable way. Um, and then I've helped managers and companies implement tools like that. Um, so personality assessments, skills assessments, things like that. You have to tread carefully there and know what you're doing. But um, you know, again, be thinking about what are the knowledge, skills, and abilities. What is this person going to do in the job? And then have a conversation about those things. Um, where I see managers go wrong is they try to wing it. And again, I, I, you know, I'll trust my gut. I'll know it when I see it. Um, uh, two, they ask tricky questions like, how many nickels does it take to get to the top of the Empire State Building? And the candidate's trying to do math or calculate the entrance fee and what it would take. And, you know, tricky questions like that. You're going, what? Um, as somebody asked me in an interview, um, if I died tomorrow, what would what would be said at my funeral? I mean, what are you getting at with those, <laughs> those weird questions? Um, and then three, I see managers um, talk too much. They think that they need to do most of the talking when really it should be the candidate uh, doing most of the talking about their skills and abilities. So. Yeah, Kelly, amen to that. The world needs more of your views on HR yeah. because especially about interview questions, you're right as far as like the, the the thing that came to mind is how many beans would it take to fill the room that we're sitting in right now? And I love, yeah, your perspective on it. I love it because test them for what they'll actually be doing. I remember when I took my soccer coach certification to coach soccer for the first time ever. And they told us, they were like, what's the first thing? I never coached a team at that. I was, I was fresh. But all the other coaches around me thought they knew all the answers. And so the instructor said, what's the way that you assess players in preseason to see how ready they are for the season? And all these coaches said, we have them run laps. And the instructor said, when the game starts, do you have them run laps? Like judge them for what they'll actually be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to many a soccer trial. I've got a, a 10 year old who loves soccer. So I relate, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I love that aspect of, of have them do what they will be doing. Talk to them about the real life tasks that they will be doing. And you already alluded to it a little earlier with your answer before this one, where you talked about people love things different than what we do. You're right. I've got one VA who he's in the Philippines. He loves organizing things. He loves doing research. I hate doing that. So yeah, hire somebody to do the things you, you aren't good at and don't like to do. So for sure. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to hire someone to do consulting work with my clients because I like working with my clients. That's my favorite part of it. I like the part where I get to do the talking and the problem solving and the strategizing. I don't want to do my bookkeeping and my appointment setting and my document prep and you know my PowerPoint slides, right? So if I'm going to outsource pieces of my business, it's going to be those areas that I don't like to do and I'm not good at. But what, what happens then is you can get conflict because you're the big picture guy and they're the detail person. And sometimes it's gonna feel like your new hire is kind of like 
slow in your roll on the exciting, inspiring work you're trying to do. And they're going, well, hold on. I need details. I need, I need steps. I need process, right? So you have to learn how to appreciate those differences in that new person and let them do their thing. Give them the space to do their thing. So Yeah, I love that advice. But Kelly, that it's also this stuff. You clearly love this stuff. And I think part of it is that I love that combination that you talk about. Hire, inspire, which now we're talking about, okay, when you hire someone, you need to inspire them. Let them do what they do. What, co- what encapsulates the inspiring part to you? Is it ongoing communication? Is it team huddles on Slack? Like what, what does inspiring look like as we're growing our teams? Yeah, that's a, that's a, if we had the answer to that, I think um, we could lower turnover in a lot of organizations and a lot of the churn that's happening these days. I truly do feel like, yes, everybody wants to make more money for sure. That's a given. Um, but I think it takes a lot more money to lure someone away. And there's research around this. If you're unhappy in your job, I'll get back to your question in a second. I'm taking the long run. Um, <laughs> when you're happy in your job, you might, you might, it might take, 15, 20% or more of a pay increase to lure you away. When you're unhappy in your job, you might take no extra money or pay cut. You know, so if you can keep people happy in their jobs, make them feel connected, make, make them feel human, right? We want to belong, right? We want to know that my skills in my workplace are welcomed. These people understand me. They welcome me. They appreciate me. We want to feel understood. We want to feel special. We want to reach our potential. Those are some five human truths we talked about um, when I worked for Starwood Hotels and Resorts. We wanted our guests to feel that way. So you have to create that feeling in your employees. Um, you know, so you, you do have to take figure out what is it that makes that person tick. I work a lot with a personality assessment called the the predictive index that we can use to hire, inspire, uh, engage, develop, and retain talent. And um, we talk a lot in that about understanding what drives people. We have deep-seated drives for uh, competition, for independence, for collaboration, for for structure or freedom from structure, um, for stability, for variety. So we can kind of figure out what it is that makes that person tick um, and we can uh, give them work that aligns with that, let them do that work, not expect them to be like us. You know, so you do have to kind of put the time in to figure out who is this person? What, what gets them excited? What makes them happy? Some people want to do the fun after work, happy hour kind of events or team building and uh, let's all go kayaking together, whatever that is. Other people would say, you know, I don't need people around me that much. That's not motivating to me. That's not inspiring. That's actually draining to me. So figure out what what makes people tick and offer the right opportunities for folks. But, um, you know, hiring and getting them in the door um, is one step in the process. But if you really just want to, if you want to keep them there and make them want to work for you and, and feel again, understood, appreciated, like they belong, like they can reach their potential. That does take some work. Like any, like any relationship really that we have in our lives, we're all human, whether that relationship is with someone on a personal level or with our, our job, our manager, our team and the organization that we work for. So managers, if you're out there, do put the time in, get to know people, uh, find out what makes them tick and then uh, be yourself and try to deliver on those things. Be human. So. Yeah. Listeners, I'm going to call something out for your benefit right here, right now, because you just saw me being guilty of something that Kelly immediately called out is that as someone who leads a team, I asked the question of what can we do to inspire our employees, our teammates, our business partners? And Kelly immediately said, we got to figure out what inspires them. It's not about what we do. It's about what inspires them. So I love the fact that you brought up that predictive index and it is seek first to understand and then to be understood. I really love that, that you took it that 
that way. The next thing I want to talk to you about is that employee growth, because when it ta- when we talk about inspiring someone, seeing them grow, giving them those opportunities, which ultimately I think that's a core part of why we work as human beings. Obviously, it's to make a living, but it's also for that growth. I found in my early 20s as I was growing my agency, as I was growing some of my other businesses, is that I always told my new hires, I want you to grow and go be able to start your own business, go be able to work for a bigger business. And Kelly, what I found was kept having to hire new people because all my people would outgrow me. Talk, oh, yeah. <laughs> talk to us about that harsh cycle that we can land in where we want people to grow, but also we want them to be a valued member within our team and, and keep them. How, yeah. I don't know, it's a delicate place to balance. Walk us through this tricky territory. Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's obviously more challenging, I think, for small and you know medium-sized employers because you know if, if i were to hire someone today i'd be like well there's there's not a career ladder here for you you know but so you have to look at be willing to look at growth in terms of growth of the size of the project the importance of the customer the book of business um the level of autonomy you know so growth can mean different things to different people not everybody is looking to become a, you know, a corporate executive, people leader, function leader, things like that, the head of a department. Um, not everybody wants those things. And if they do, um, you know, sometimes you're then you're doing the opposite uh, uh, challenge as a manager, which is to try to set realistic expectations that those things don't happen overnight always. Um, so, um, but, you know, I th- again, I think looking at development from a couple of different lenses, can I give you bigger projects, more autonomy, um, different kind of challenges um, can can feed that beast a lot. Um, in larger organizations, then it really does become more about preparing people for that role up the ladder. What are the knowledge, skills, and abilities that are different in that next level up? And how does that employee gain those knowledge, skills, abilities, and, and experiences, I'd probably add to that list too. So um, a great example is uh, we tend to take the best individual performers in an organization. They're, they're, they're great widget makers. So we're going to make them the widget making supervisor. Well, that supervisor job is a whole different set of knowledge, skills, and abilities. You have to manage your time differently. You have to value, um, you know, almost like that feeling of a parent. You see your kid ride the bike, right? It's not about your speed in riding the bike. You have to see them do it and go, yeah, good, good job, buddy. You know, so you have to value different things um, to become a supervisor and spend your time in different ways uh, and develop new people skills that maybe you didn't have to use before. So, you know, again, I can to kind of sum it up. I think in, in larger organizations, how do you help people uh, gain the knowledge, skills, experience to reach that next level, being intentional about that? And then in smaller organizations, being able to look at development from a couple different lenses, it might not be a career ladder, but it might be giving them more um, skin in the game, an ownership piece of your business or some kind of equity or bonus structure that allows them to feel like a part owner. Uh, and then looking at growth and development through bigger projects, bigger challenges, different kind of opportunities. So. Yeah, I love that perspective, Kelly, especially because you have that perspective in part, not just because you've worked with a ton of different businesses, but you are an entrepreneur yourself. So you're right. People that you and I hire, they're not going to be able to replace us inside of our own businesses, but there is a different growth progression map that we can give them. So there are advantages. You talk about getting your hands dirty. I remember as my first job out of college, I worked at a small consulting company because I learned, holy cow, they will let me handle accounts that there's no way a fortune 500 business would let me so there are those yeah 
there are those growth opportunities, which I want to ask you because identifying the benefits that we have, the advantages that we have small businesses have when it comes to hiring people versus big businesses is obviously understanding that we are all different. That's why you already brought it up, the predictive index that you use. But on your website, something that really struck our team when we reached out to have you on the show is you talk about team types. What the heck are team types? Why do we need to understand those? And what are some examples of team types? Yeah, well, you know, just like, um, you know, we all have our individual personality. When you put a group of people together, that team or that department um, is going to have kind of a personality of its own. Um, admittedly, it's going to it's going to kind of take on the different personalities of the individuals that comprise that team. But it's important, I think, for a team to understand who are we? Uh, how do we show up? What are we good at? Uh, what risk factors maybe do we have and uh, what do we do about it? So I think, you know, when we go through um, a team dynamics workshop, when I go through a team dynamics workshop with a group, that's where we start. Who, who are these individuals? And then as a team, what is our personality? What is our style? Um, and PI has come up with, I think, about 10, maybe 12 of those team types. And I'll walk that team through. Like, here's what this data is telling me about who you all are, uh, what you're good at, what you like to do. So to give you an example, I once worked on, a, I was part of an HR department where we had a lot of real big picture thinkers, change agent, innovative, entrepreneurial types. And as we kept adding people to the team, you know, first there was there was one leader who kind of fit that profile. Then she brought me and I fit that profile. Well, then we hired someone else and he fit that profile. Well, all of a sudden we had this kind of, again, innovative, entrepreneurial, big picture team. But then our employees were calling and saying, hey, my benefits information was kind of not correct. And there was an error on my payroll and this detail was missing in that detail. So some of those uh, processes and real detailed transactions we weren't real good at. And so we needed to take a step back and say, we need to add this personality type to our team to help round us out, hold us accountable to not just have great ideas, but implement them in a consistent and repeatable way. Um, so it, it is important to understand who are we as a team? Uh, what are we good at? What do we struggle with? Um, and what are we being asked to do? And do we have the right people on the team for that? Or do we need to pull in some other, uh, some other folks to do that? So um, yeah. it's very powerful when you can understand that and use that data to have a real conversation about it. Don't, don't shy away from it. We are who we are and we should be proud of that. Um, but we also need to look at that in the context of what are we being asked to do? And do we have that skill set? If not, let's get it so that we can reach our goals. So. Yeah, I would imagine that it's also more beneficial when the team understands this is who we are. It's, it's just like sports. I mean, to use the most simplistic team example is that when we know what jersey it is that we're all wearing, we can really dig in for that jersey and and succeed as a team. So classic quote, obviously, teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. Go oh, ahead, Kelly. Sure. But I think also teams don't work if they only work on the work. You have to work on the team said a lot of the same words there twice, I'll say it again. Teams don't work if they only work on the work. You've got to take a step back and look at your team and say, who are we as a group of people who do need to lean on each other, trust each other, rely on each other, um, and uh, get to know each other. So it, when we have a language to, to talk about those things, like the predictive index can provide, uh, or, or you know, pick a personality tool, it doesn't need to be that one, but that's the one I have come to work with the best over the years. Um, 
but you know, talk about those things. When we have a model to describe human behavior like that, we use words like innovative, entrepreneurial, process-oriented, structured, collaborative. When we don't have a language to describe that behavior, we use words like jerk, you know, and <laughs> things like that. So the language is a lot less flattering um, when we haven't taken the time to understand and appreciate each other's differences. Yeah, I love that perspective. Such an important thing to call out, Kelly. So I'm glad that you did it there is that you can't just focus on your work. You also need to focus on growing your team. So that leads me right into the next area that I want to ask you about, Kelly, because I'm sure that you've seen this over the years changing as well. How many of our teams are remote now? For me personally, everybody that I hire is remote. We've got team members in the Philippines, team members in Colombia, team members here across the United States. And so for us, our company, our team environment, our water cooler is Slack, for example, and, and our Zoom meetings. What sort of techniques or strategies have you seen to manage and foster that team environment across all of these different remote teams? Well, again, I think that a little, it, it, it can happen organically. Um, you'll, I mean, you'll always have an organizational culture in any organization, any team. Um, you'll have, you'll have a culture. Is it the one that you want? So taking the time to think about how do I want this team to feel? How do I want people to interact? How do we need to work together? And then deliver programs and icebreakers and activities and one-on-ones, whatever's going to help you get there. Um, I, again, I'll, I'll, at the risk of sounding like a shameless plug, I, I, do firmly believe it's even more important there that you take the time to go through a tool, you know, whatever's going to help you understand each other and communicate better. Again, I, I, I use P- predictive index for this purpose, but who are we? What makes us tick? Um, how do we show up? If I'm your boss, I might want to know, I would want to know that information, have a conversation about it. Say, hey, Brian, this assessment is telling me that you're a big picture thinker, you're fast paced, you're innovative, you like a little bit of structure, but not too much. Um, You like variety and change. You know, um, I'm making this up about you, obviously, on the spot. But, um, you know, so I would want to have that conversation and I would want to try to give you that freedom and that 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 room to express yourself in your work. I wouldn't try to expect you to fill out TPS reports 45 times a day and turn them in on the hour, you know? So structure the work, get to know people, but in a remote environment, I think you have to be more intentional about saying, who is this person? What makes them tick? How do I structure their work in a way that they're going to find meaningful and enjoyable? So for me personally, I, I need a lot of personal interaction. I'm that extrovert personality. I need people. I do my best work in a brainstorming conversational format. I'm less productive in a heads down kind of analytical environment. I can do that work if I know it's needed. I'll roll up my sleeves and I'll flex that muscle for the afternoon, but I'd prefer not to be mired in that. And my, my boss, my team would need to probably know that about me. So. Yeah, Kelly, I'm the same way as you. Obviously, we're two extroverts. Listeners are probably just like, gosh, you two could talk all day long about all of this stuff. Obviously, we love business, but I do want to talk a little bit about that as well, about those conversations, the conversations that you and I thrive on, even your made-up conversation with me uh, about me as my strengths, my traits, all of those things. It, it butters me up. And for me, I'm just like, yeah, Kelly, you, you get me. I understand that. 
Yeah, yeah. We want to we want to feel understood. I mean, I've been doing some of the personality assessment work sometimes. I can guess pretty accurately, not as accurately as an actual assessment, but um, I, I can see some patterns for sure. But yeah. Yeah. With that said, though, so obviously so much of our relationships with remote employees, with remote teammates is going to happen on Zoom calls. I mean, you and I can see each other. Obviously, listeners can't see us right now, but you can foster a relationship. You can feel people's energy even over yeah. Zoom. What sort yeah. of periodic check-ins do you recommend for business leaders, for entrepreneurs to be meeting with their team members every week, every month, every quarter to do reviews? What sort of timeline do you look at for that? Thinking about our specific listeners in mind, which are a lot of those online-based entrepreneurs. Yeah, I'm going to give you a classic HR answer there and say it depends. Um, you know, it depends a lot. Is this a new hire? If so, I'm going to want to meet with them more frequently. Um, are they dealing with a lot of ambiguous tasks and projects that they need input on or approval on? Uh, if so, I'm going to want to meet with them more frequently. Do I, as their boss, need input and approval and see what they're working on? If so, I might, at the risk of uh, doing too much, want to meet with them more frequently. Um, if they tend to have very steady state, repetitive, highly structured work, and they've been doing it a long time, I might do less frequently. So for new hires, brand new, fresh out of the gate, I'm going to be talking with you probably a lot, maybe even daily, maybe more um, for the first week, two weeks as, as you build your confidence and things kind of settle down. Um, as you gain more competence in your role, um, maybe once every two weeks, perhaps, just depending again on, on the frequency of uh, the type of work and a lot of variables there. But um, to give you an example, I had a, a team member who was, who was real new, uh, junior in their role, learning the job as they went. We met probably daily, sometimes even a couple times a day, we would we would check in sometimes mid morning and toward the end of the day. So we could talk about what the plan for the day was and then reflect on what happened that day. What are we doing the next day? Um, then I had another gentleman who worked for me who was about 20 years my senior and had been doing this work a long time. And he and I might talk once a month, you know, maybe every two, three weeks. So uh, it just kind of depends. But the factors I would consider there is what's the type of work? How much uh, ambiguity is there in that work? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, what's my need as a manager uh, for interaction with that employee too. So yeah, Kelly, I love how your answers for all of these questions really come back to the person on the other side. We want all of these answers as business owners, but just like most things in business and especially in marketing and in sales, we don't yeah. have the answers. You just have to kind of yeah. go out there and understand the humans on the other side of it. So yes, even though it is kind of, you said HR, I always think of lawyers. Anytime we've had lawyers on the show, I always feel bad when all their answers are like, totally depends. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, you know, I can't fit, can't fit people in a box, right? We're all so different. And, you know, I always, with business owners, especially if they're, I mean, selling any kind of product or service that involves customers, which I think is probably the vast majority, obviously, but you wouldn't treat all your customers the same. You wouldn't assume that all your customers are um, watching the same TV station or listening to the same radio channel or following the same social media. So you're going to have a strategy there uh, that is going to be pretty broadly encompassing to try to reach those different type of customers. Same thing with your employee, right? You're not going to expect all of your employees to be to be robots, uh, despite the rapidly advancing world of AI. Um, we're never going to get to a point where we're, you know, only working with robots and selling to robots. So um, if so, that's going to spell bad news for the rest of us. But, um, you know, so you can't you can't treat your customers all cookie cutter and nor should you treat your employees. The same goes for hiring. I mean, you don't just have one real boring 
um, commercial for your business that reads off. Brian is a podcast innovator. He does da, 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 da. You're not going to read them the statistics. You're going to have engaging ways of going out and getting your customers. But when we go to post an open position, we post a very boring job description. Must be adept at using office software, typing 65 words per minute. Must be uh, excellent oral and written communication. Yeah, those things are important, but sell it to me as, an, as a future employee of your organization. Sell it to me. Treat me like a human engage me, connect with me. Um, and that, that follows from that point where I first see your job advertisement to, you know, I want to, I want to be onboarded that way. I want to be interacted that way. If you're my boss, like, treat me like a person. Uh, and, and we'll get a lot, we'll get a lot further along. Yeah, Kelly, I'm so glad. All these things that you're calling out here in today's episode, I feel like they need to be called out. Nothing is safe here today. You just called out typical job descriptions because it's something I see all the time. You're right. Three to five years of experience, adept at Microsoft Office. We all know the drill and it's the boring stuff. And and I know we're not talking about branding per se here in today's session, but that really is. You, you said it right at the end of your answer there, which is people are going to start experiencing what your culture is from that exact moment of your job description so it's so important it's the difference between like when you're looking at a box of cereal and you see you know tony the tiger and it's like they're great on your frosted flakes uh but then you turn the box sideways and you read the nutritional information that you know only the moms care about i mean sorry dads care about it too obviously but um only the parents care about there um you know so but we post the nutritional information, but then we take our customers and we're going, we're great. You know, put, tell your employees how great you are, sell it to them. And there is a, there is a, a, a legal um, and HR compliance reason to have a thorough job description, but that doesn't need to be your job advertisement. Uh, it's just your lead in, you know, do an ad, attract the right talent, tell them who you are, get them engaged and excited about your about the opportunity, whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, maybe in the interview, you're going, by the way, here's our official job description. Let's talk about this. So, but that doesn't need to be your first impression. Yeah, Kelly, almost 650 episodes in and you are our first ever Frosted Flakes reference. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly, I'll tell you what, time is flying by today. I'm going to throw this out there for listeners so that they thoroughly know. Obviously, we can't cover everything in today's session, but listeners, I'm totally inviting Kelly back for an Action Saturday episode. She doesn't even know what that means just yet or what that entails, but don't worry, listeners. I'll invite Kelly back for even more. But Kelly, as we do come towards the end of today's session, I always love giving guests the hardest part, which is summing up an actionable takeaway for listeners. Listeners who are hearing us talk about how to hire, talk about job descriptions, talk talk about inspiring their employees, talk about building that team culture. With all of these things in mind that we talked about, what's one thing that you think every entrepreneur and entrepreneur, especially those entrepreneurs, should do after hearing our episode here today? Gosh, I mean, just to kind of sum up the themes of what we're talking about, and and I think that something in society we seem to be forgetting about each other these days is that you know we're we're I'm, this is a quote I think from some commercial it might even be an Apple product, but we're a lot more alike uh, than we are unalike. So let's let's continue to be human. Let's focus on what we have in common. Uh, let's get to understand each other and know each other and treat each other like those humans. We all want and need the same things in life, really, at the end of the day. So some of us get there by very different methods, but let's let's continue to understand each other, get to know each other. And again, I think that's going to serve entrepreneurs. Who is your customer? Who is your brand? Who, who can you help? And also then as an employer, who are your employees? How do you 
motivate, you know, hire, inspire, and engage them for success uh, in their journey too. So we're all we're all kind of uh, in it together. And the more that we can learn to understand and relate to each other as humans that have a lot of things in common, uh, I think we're all going to be a lot better off. Yes, Kelly, I'm not surprised that that's the direction that you took that answer in is obviously the human element of all of this stuff that we talked about here today. I know that listeners are going to want more of you, even though we're 35 minutes deep into today's session. I feel like we're only scratching the tip of the iceberg in all of your knowledge. So share with listeners where they can go to learn more about you, your work and everything that you're doing with HR Full Circle. Sure. We are, um, our website, hrfullcircle.com is a great place to get started. Uh, I have a ton of blog posts there. I have other kind of media, um, uh, postings, podcast interviews, things like that posted there. We've got our contact form. We've got a free assessment you can try if you're curious about the predictive index, uh, personality assessment and how we can help you as a partner of that product. Uh, uh, hire and inspire and engage your team. You can take a free assessment. We'll send you your report. Um, we are on LinkedIn. Uh, I do have a Twitter account. I'm less active on other media. LinkedIn is kind of my main uh, uh, product there, but you can find Kelly Gust uh, on LinkedIn and you can find HR Full Circle LLC on LinkedIn as well. Listeners, you all know the drill. Check out the show notes wherever it is that you're tuning into today's episode. You'll find a link to Kelly's website. It's hrfullcircle.com. We'll link to that down below as well as Kelly's socials and of course her LinkedIn as well if you want to reach out to her personally. She's so generous as you all witness here today with her time, her knowledge, her expertise, and of course her energy. Kelly, I love how much energy you put into sharing this stuff with us. And I just want to call out, you called it out, Kelly, but I was going to call it out no matter what, is that your website really does have so much helpful information for business owners, business leaders, entrepreneurs. It's something that I love the fact that you've got the free assessment on there, the predictive index, all the different team types that we talked about. It's all on your website at hrfullcircle.com. So listeners, go ahead, Kelly. That PI tool takes about five to six minutes on average too. It's super quick and uh, we'll send you your report automatically. So yes. I love it. So listeners, there you go. Definitely go check out Kelly's website, hrfullcircle.com. Get all the other links down in the show notes. Otherwise, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. Brian, thanks so much for having me. I'm right back at you. I love your energy and enthusiasm for your podcast too. I've listened to a lot of episodes. It's good stuff. So thanks for what you're doing for the entrepreneur community. And thanks for having me. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks. Hey, it's Brian here, and thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast. If you haven't checked us out online, there's so much good stuff there. Check out the show's website and all the show notes that we talked about in today's episode at theentrepreneurshow.com. And I just want to give a shout out to our amazing guests. There's a reason why we are ad-free and have produced so many incredible episodes five days a week for you, and it's because our guests step up to the plate. These are not sponsored episodes. These are not infomercials. Our guests help us cover the costs of our productions. They so deeply believe in the power of getting their message out in front of you, awesome entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that they contribute to help us make these productions possible. So thank you to not only today's guests, but all of our guests in general. And I just want to invite you check out our website because you can send us a voicemail there. We also have live chat. If you want to interact directly with me, go to theentrepreneurshow.com, initiate a live chat. It's for real me. And I'm excited because I'll see you as always every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday here on the Entrepreneur to Entrepreneur podcast.